It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome back to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with Zerlina, and we are going to talk through the incredible first day of the committee to investigate the January 6th insurrection testimony. That was absolutely riveting. Those four or five officers who testified were the absolute pinnacle of bravery. Like, I don't even know where to start in playing the clips. There were so many moments where I was like, holy hell, what these guys have been through. And then what they were so brave, they were they had to relive all of that, not in a therapy setting, but for us. Like reliving your trauma is real hard, as we were discussing in the last Mm -hmm. segment. And these men sat there and they did it and they did it without um, without glossing over it. They did it without minimizing it. They didn't try to make themselves out to be some superhuman robot cop that felt nothing and, you know, did their duty. And that was that they they talked about themselves as as human beings, as black Americans, as fathers, as um, as men who were dealing with trauma. Um, and I was so grateful, so freaking grateful that we didn't have any Jim Jordans on that committee because listening to somebody mock them in real time, frankly, would have just been absolutely too much. Um, I kind of want to start with Representative Stephanie Murphy, who was one of the, the Democrats on the panel, because she she set the scene, I think, really quite well. And I was listening to her her questioning of the officers and wondering whether they had heard stories like hers. Like, was that the first time that they were realizing that she was as close as she was and thinking what she was thinking? And, and the fact that the the lawmakers got to thank the officers, I, I think did sort of turn it into a little bit more of a support group session than a, than a, these were all, they all went through this. Every person there the, from, from the press covering it, to the Mm -hmm. officers testifying, to the lawmakers on the dais, they were all victims of the January 6th insurrection. So that that led a that lent a a very different lens to to the proceedings. But but let's start with Stephanie Murphy, because I think that that sets it up the best. You yelling out to one another. I listen to you care for one another, directing people back to the makeshift eyewash station that was at the end of our hall. And then I listened to people coughing, having difficulty breathing. But I watched you and heard you all get back into the fight. And I think Congresswoman Rice and I were the only members of Congress to be down there um, on that lower west terrace. You know, we had taken refuge in that office because we thought for sure being in the basement at the heart of the Capitol was the safest place we could be. And it turned out we ended up at the center of the storm. 
And Officer Fanon, you had said, you know, you were 250 feet off of that tunnel and you felt certain that they were going to kill you. Imagine if they had caught the two members of Congress that were just 40 feet from where you all were. And I know uh, Sergeant Gunnell and Officer Hodges, you, you, you both said that you didn't realize that other parts of the Capitol had been breached, but you really felt like you were the last line of defense. Well, I'm telling you that you were our last line of defense. Um, and during the exact period of time, Officer Hodges, in that video where you were sacrificing your body to hold that door, it gave uh, Congresswoman Rice and I and the Capitol Police officers who had been sent to extract us the freedom of movement on that hallway to escape down the other end of that hallway. And I, I shudder to think about what would have happened had you not held that line. You know, I, I have two young children. I have a 10-year-old son and a 7-year-old daughter. And they're the light of my life. And the reason I was able to hug them again was because of the courage that you and your fellow officers showed that day. And so just a really heartfelt thank you. Um, I think it's important for everybody, though, to remember. The testimony yesterday was, was powerful because you, you don't normally have a situation where the person, like in a trial, the person asking the questions is not usually the victim or the right. person that was being protected by the police officer they're questioning. So this is a very unusual dynamic you have with the people that these officers protected. Because the only reason why Jim Jordan was even able to ask a question, potentially, before Nancy Pelosi vetoed his pick, um, is because of the Capitol Police. Like, Kevin right. McCarthy, the fact, you are alive, bro. You're alive. Because mm -hmm. of these police officers. So think about that. Like, think about being one of these police officers. You've survived this in incredible trauma um, and attack on the Capitol, the, your place of work. You have to go back into that place of work every day. You have to walk past people you've saved. And half of them are on the side of the people who attacked you and tried to kill and you and said, the officers um, shoot him with his own gun. So I think that. Mince. So I think that, you know. When we are when we are processing what we are watching, I think yesterday was a moment where, like with the Olympics, we were not going to be able to just gloss over what happened on January 6th and move on. We had to have a full accounting of what happened so that it doesn't happen again. And it seems like that's what we're going to have. Like what happens next is that they come up with questions and they issue subpoenas. Uh, Liz Cheney and others were very explicit that we are going to find out every phone call that happened from the White House. Um, she basically left absolutely no room for question that Jim Jordan would be given a subpoena. He admitted on Fox News last night that he spoke to the president on January 6th. So we need to know more about that. Kevin McCarthy will be subpoenaed um, because he spoke to the president on, on January 6th. So these officers, and there's no point in me summarizing it because we can just have Officer uh, Fanon say it in his own words. Um, they talked about the not just the horror of January 6th, but then of having to face lawmakers who told them that what they experienced didn't happen or that it wasn't that bad. And that was the piece that truly um, 
that 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 was was truly too much for them for them to take. Um, so let's play clip number five and and let Officer Fanon say it in his own words. The indifference shown to my colleagues is disgraceful. My law enforcement career prepared me to cope with some of the aspects of this experience. Being an officer, you know your life is at risk whenever you walk out the door. Even if you don't expect otherwise law-abiding citizens to take up arms against you. But nothing, truly nothing, has prepared me to address those elected members of our government who continue to deny the events of that day. And in doing so, betray their oath of office. I mean, that's those very members right whose lives, oh. offices, staff members, I was fighting so desperately to defend. I agreed to speak here today and have talked publicly about what happened because I don't think our response to the insurrection should have anything to do with political parties. I think that the powerful part of the testimony is when we sort of set the frame and parameters for what the stakes are, right? And I think when we're we're consistently going back to the fact that they were protecting the Capitol and the people that were attacking the Capitol wanted to stop a democratic process and, and mm-hmm. harm our democracy. Like that's what's at stake in these hearings. Yeah. Our democracy. Yeah. And that's Not why these the men fate did of what they Kevin did. McCarthy, which is they like hilarious. They were going to die. Like these <laughs> men did what they did because the actual country was at stake. Not even just the lives of all of the lawmakers, which is certainly enough. But the fate of the actual country was at stake. And that is why they jammed their bodies in doorways so that Representative Stephanie Murphy and Kathleen Rice could get down the other end of the hallway. The officer that you just heard had to plead for his had to plead for his life, yelling at the crowd that he had kids. Mm -hmm. They were going to kill him. And he knows that they were going to kill him because at the time that they were dragging him away from the Capitol, he he said he was no longer a threat to them. He had been separated from his unit. He was 300 feet from the door. He was not an impediment to them getting into the Capitol. He was alone. They had already taken his weapons off of him. So the fact that they were still torturing him, torturing is the word that he used because he was tased multiple times in the base of the skull. That is torture. Um, The fact that they were still torturing him simply meant that they were going to kill him. That was what was going to happen. That is what he knew. And he started to yell out that he had kids. And uh, eventually another group of of men sort of helped him, called off the others and sort of helped him back to, to the safety of his unit in the hallway. Um, Officer Hodges, the one whose unforgettable video of of him getting stuck in the door, you're watching a man being crushed to death, uh, you're hearing a man being crushed to death. That is what he thought was happening. They they did that because the entire country was at risk. Um, And thank God that those particular officers lived, but their lives are not the same. They're not working. The officer you just heard is still dealing with massive brain injuries. Like, it's it's amazing that he's able to tell his story in the way that he can right now. He's still dealing with physical injuries. All of these officers are. 
I think the 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 testimony of Officer Dunn was um, very very difficult to hear. He was the one of one of the black officers who who talked about the the racism that he experienced that day and being called the N word in uniform, which is a thing that had never happened before. I'm I'm glad that the networks chose not to edit his comments because he did not edit his comments. He he said the quotes that he heard that day in full, which meant that we heard language on daytime TV that we do not hear on daytime TV. Like I stopped watching Quentin Tarantino movies a while ago, so it's been a minute since I have heard the N-word spoken with a hard R um, out loud like that. Um, it's being edited now, but when, you know, if you watched it in real time, you can hear everything that he was called. Um, and the white officers acknowledged that their black brothers in uniform fought a different war that day than they did. It was sort of an incredible example of intersectionality and allyship on display, actually. None of the, you know, the, the white officers seemed absolutely aware of what their colleagues had had gone through and how it how it differed from them um i do want to play one last clip which is uh which was officer dunn's response to um adam shift asking sort of whether this was america uh as as he knew it um so if we could play clip number seven also and um the fact that we had our our race attacked and just because of the way we look, you know. To answer your question, frankly, I guess it is America. It shouldn't be, but I guess that's the way that things are. I don't condone it, I don't like it. But I mean, if you look at our history of American history, things are, countries existed because they beat, they won a war or colonies and state lines and boundaries exist because of violence and war. Like, so I guess <laughs> it sounds silly, but I guess it is American. And it's so, but it's not the, it's not the side of America that I like, it's not the side of that any of us here represent. We represent the, the good side of America, the people that actually believe in decency and human decency and we appeal to just the, the good of the good in people. That's what we want to see. Whether we disagree with how they vote on a bill about infrastructure, everybody wants the right thing, people to do okay. So that's why I'm glad to see this committee composed of Republican members also. So I, I, I that's encouraging. It's encouraging. So that's the side of America that I say, yes, this is America. This is the side that I like and the, the side that I acknowledge. So. It's so I mean, hard to hear this testimony. Um, it's and so I hard. think I think it's that's why it's so important <laughs> that we all yep. have to bear witness. Um, and I'm I'm incredibly grateful to Nancy Pelosi for having the wisdom, not the mm -hmm. political calculation, but the wisdom to eliminate the gyms from this committee, because if yep. we had any of the gyms shouting nonsense for Fox News primetime, it would have taken away from the importance and I think the somber tone that we needed to have um, when we're talking about this, because I was sad. You know, this is an incredibly sad moment for the country that, oh, yeah. you know, our democracy is, is so weak 
and has been weakened by Donald Trump. Because if, you know, if he accept if he is a grown up adult man and accepts his loss and takes his L and goes the F back to Bedminster, this doesn't happen. If he concedes right. the, the, you know, the next morning because he is an adult person and a, I don't know, somebody with principles and values like Hillary Clinton, <laughs> who put on her purple <laughs> shirt and black suit and went and conceded, even though there were a lot of questions at that moment about right. how the heck this could have happened. And then we found out later it was a whole Russia situation um, that was more extensive than we had known at that point in the campaign because the campaign knew it was Russia, but it mm-hmm. didn't, didn't know it was directed by the Kremlin at that point until like the day before the election. Um, so, you know, Donald, Tr- the idea that just to put a full pin in the whole hour, like the idea that Simone Biles is weak because she does not want to risk her, her life for y'all's entertainment and Donald Trump is strong for not accepting the obvious loss in the election and his temper tantrum is consistent and ongoing to the point where he has encouraged other people to commit acts of violence because he's so, you know, hurt about losing. Then I don't know what to tell you. Like if if you're if you're in the headspace where you're mad at Simone Biles and you like Donald Trump probably not listening to this channel probably but, not, not listening to probably. probably not listening to us <laughs> but but I I, I, don't, I don't know what headspace that's in yeah but yeah. it's not the, it's not the one that's grounded in in any fact-based reality or compassion okay. well that would be a bonus quality for people I just want to start <laughs> with the facts I don't actually need you to care <laughs> but I need you to agree upon reality the facts We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.